0: We celebrated Kalos' sixth birthday yesterday, and uh, I don't know if it was the fact that he turned six and he was getting all kind of attention, but, man, she was needy and grabby and crying, <laughs> though she got all kind of attention, you know, but, uh, but that's okay. I'm excited uh, for this morning, as, as every Sunday uh, every day, actually, but uh, you know, especially Sundays, as we get to come together uh, as the body of Christ and uh, hear from the Lord and enjoy Him, bring a bring a heart of sacrifice. Uh, but you know, the Lord had uh, revealed to me uh, this morning a great deal, a great deal of, uh, uh, I guess you know, helpful reminders, and uh, it's just it's just awesome to experience that revelation of God, uh, him revealing truth to you and confirming, reaffirming, um, encouraging, correcting. Uh, I was talking to Lou just before service and, you know, conviction is such a good thing. Oh man. You know, many, many times we, we look at conviction and, you know, we kind of shrug it off and I don't want to feel uncomfortable, but that uncomfortable feeling uh, is something that you're, you're going to call a blessing because there's a group of people later on down the road that are going to be living upon this earth that are not going to be able to experience conviction. And instead of being convicted from the things that are revealed to them of God's holiness, they're going to instead curse the Lord. And they're going to backbite and snicker and harden their heart. And is, isn't it so as you grow older... You either learn to have a softened heart towards the ways of God or your heart becomes hard, harder, more callous. And uh, it, it's very difficult to have that stony heart broken. So praise God today if you have a soft heart for the things of the Lord and he's able to poke and prod and reveal to you areas in your life that need some cleaning up. Amen. All right. Well, uh I'm excited to announce that, uh, oh, Lord willing, I get through this message. <laughs> we're, we're actually going to be uh, completing the book of Acts today. I was so surprised. I was like, really? Like this kind of just suddenly came upon me. I thought we we're going to be in the book of Acts for a few more months, you know. But uh, yeah, it looks like we're going to be uh, wrapping up the book of Acts today. And so just to give you a little bit of forecast, because, you know, the Lord, the Lord's word says without vision, uh, his people perish. And so obviously we need vision. We need forecasted direction from the Lord. That's one of uh, my uh, main responsibilities as a pastor of this church is to seek the Lord as to what he would to have us do and, and how we are to learn through his word here on Sunday mornings. And so I'll be taking a quick break, maybe a week or two we may go through a couple topical messages and just pray about what the lord is showing me and we'll we'll go through that but i'm excited to announce that we will be going into the book of revelation next and uh that's going to be pretty cool uh there's a lot of rich truth and obviously as uh even though the books of the bible are not written in chronological order Uh, what the book of Revelation, and again, it's revelation, not revelations. People people say that and kind of got to get a little bit corrected on that. It's not revelations, but the book of Revelation and that word revelation, meaning uh, what God is revealing to humanity, what God is revealing to his church is the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of this world, and he will come again. Uh, soon and so it's going to be a great time uh, rich time i believe it's very i believe it's the lord's will that we understand that as again if it's a revelation he wants it revealed to us so it's not something to run away from i know there's a lot of prophetic things in that book some can be uh, plainly explained and some not so much but as long as we take in the framework of the main point is It's speaking of jesus christ as messiah as king of kings lord of lords the only one who could righteously administer justice and truth that being our framework that being the main focus of the book i think we're going to have no problem going through it and you will be richly blessed by that so uh lord willing look forward to that that'll be coming up in the next several weeks but with that without any further ado we're in Acts chapter twenty-eight this morning. We'll be reading from verses twenty-three down through thirty-one. I know some translations; uh, it, it may seem as if uh, verse twenty-nine is omitted. I can't explain that other than there's different translations. But for whatever reason, it all translates the same. In any event, we'll be in Acts, like I said, twenty-eight, going through verses twenty through twenty-three. Excuse me, down through. 31. So when you get there, if you can and you are able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning. Pray and dive right in. Man, I'm excited for uh, this message this morning. All right. So starting in verse 23, it says when they had appointed a day for him. They came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. This is speaking of uh, coming to Paul. And the Jewish believers there in Rome, they came to him to for him to speak to them. And it says from morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Please don't miss this. It says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying that your fathers through Isaiah the prophet go to these people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. Or perceive, excuse me. For these people's hearts have grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Everybody should say, (laughs) Amen. (laughs) He lived there, speaking of Paul, two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again for just another opportunity to meet with you as part of your body and to hear from you, to glean from your truth, Lord, may you speak to our hearts now concerning the things found in your text, concerning your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we come with hearts that are ready to hear. Ears that are ready to listen, help us to listen intently, as that is important, a conscious decision on the part of the listener to engage in uh, this process with you as your word goes out. Lord, may you May you find your, uh, the seed of your word to fall on, on soil that is soft and fertile. May it produce a harvest that is plenty. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. and We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated, church. I've entitled this message, Turn and Be Healed. Oh, man, that's rich. <laughs> Turn and be healed. You know, in order for one to be healed... You must turn to the person that can heal you. And for us spiritually, that's Jesus Christ. We must turn to Him in order to be healed. Without that turning, there can be no process to begin the healing within one's life. Again, like I said, today we're going to wrap up the book of Acts and... In this last portion of Scripture, in chapter 28, we get to see how Paul left these Jewish believers in Rome and what he spoke to them, what was the heart of his message. And the heart of his message never changed. It was always pertinent to who Jesus Christ was and that all throughout Scripture, the Bible reasons with humanity that all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ. And as we will see the response from these men who Paul had preached to, who had expounded the word to, the reaction was mixed. You see, some believed and said in their heart, Yes, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and I will regard him as such in my own personal life and bow my heart before him. And while there were others who could not get to that point, they did not consider Jesus the Messiah. They, they, they heard this truth, and, 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 and it, it hindered their judgment. You see, we live in a day now where truth is very difficult for people to stomach, because everything largely has to do with how I perceive, and how my perception is, and how my outlook on life is. And an absolute truth I could, differ, I could differentiate from. Sometimes even, unfortunately, within the church, there will be truth revealed through God's word. And because we've been following falsehood so foolishly, we say, huh, I can't accept that truth. It's too cutting. I don't want to allow it into my life. May that not be said of us here at Resilient Life Church. May that not be said of any true Bible-believing church. That when truth goes forth, the Lord is allowed to cut away at the stony parts of our heart and reveal that truth, right? Because there are many things that we are gifted in and we're great at, but there's other areas in all of our lives where I'll just be candid. We're jacked up. <laughs> I laugh because I'm able to Deal with that. I embrace that, understanding who I am apart from Christ and who I am in Christ. Praise God that He, when He looks down upon my life and He looks down upon your life, He sees the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And then that, you can rejoice because you're liberated and you're freed. And you don't have to come with a fake facade before the almighty <laughs> master of all creation and act like you have any merit to go before Him. But you can boast in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and in the blood of Christ, that's what, it spe- that's what it speaks of. It's not speaking of physical blood, though his physical blood had to be shed for the cleansing of sin. That would just be weird if people walked around saying uh, or, or literally thinking they had to have Jesus Christ's blood covering them. But it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that righteous act of him laying down his life and taking it back up. The fact that he was the perfect lamb slain for the sins of the world. And now you can put on the righteousness of Christ and go before God. And you don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel guilt. You're a child of God. So now you can come before him and lay your request at his feet, boldly proclaiming him as King and Lord and also proclaiming what you need, asking, you know, right? And you can do that with a genuine heart and all sincerity because you're wearing the righteousness of Christ. You see, Some of these people, some of these men, these Jewish men in Rome, they had a hard time dealing with that. They couldn't get to that point with who Jesus was. It's very interesting, though, when you think about that, right? Because right before this in our text, it says that Paul was encouraged by these Jewish believers in Rome. Okay, well, we know that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. So what happened? Why did some of these people, when they heard Paul preach, believe the truth of who Jesus Christ was and some didn't? Well, the reality is this. The reality is Jesus Christ, who he is, he exposes the true heart and intent of human beings. He exposes it for what it is, right? For us as people we may be able to put on a facade and fool one another right you know we (laughs) we have those days where someone asks what's up how you doing fine you're not fine you're jacked up you're messed up you're holding on by a hinge but yet we we won't share that truth with people you see but when Jesus Christ steps into the picture, he is able to reveal the reality of your condition and my condition. There's no hiding, you see. And so that is why when we read the text, at first it says that all of these believers encouraged Paul. But then when the word of God went forth and was ministered to people's hearts, it started to sever those who truly believe from those who just oh i don't really know if i believe or i regard him as a good man or a teacher but i don't regard him as the savior of my soul you know the bible is regarded the word of god is sharper than any sharper double-edged sword i'm paraphrasing that's a key ism i guess if you could say we know that you can't hold a double-edged sword you're gonna get cut on both ends Especially, especially if it's very sharp as the Bible describes the Word of God is. And so this is why we see, again, Jesus Christ revealing the true nature of these men's heart. There were some who were genuine and believed and some who had a difficult time accepting him as who he was. All right. As we have come accustomed to here, uh, we have three main points this morning. And the first one is this. The entirety of the Bible points to Jesus Christ as Savior of all, the entirety of the Bible. You know. If there's any way to sum up the Word of God, it's Jesus Christ is Lord, He's Savior, and that's it. <laughs> every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. I don't care if you believe in Him or if you denounce Him, you're going to bow one day. You're either going to humbly bow yourself or you are going to be forced to bow down. That is just a reality that every person is going to come across at some point in their existence. You see, Paul preached and dug deep into the scriptures. He shared from the law of Moses, the first five chapters of the Bible. He also shared from the prophets that all of the scriptures pointed To Jesus Christ being the one and only true Messiah of this world, the creator of all things, the king of this universe. You know, we uh, scientists are uh, learning more and more that this universe continues to expand. And when you have a spiritual framework of the Bible, not that I'm a... Someone who's like on the level of a rocket scientist, because I'm clearly I'm not. I don't work for NASA. But when you understand the framework of the Bible and that you are an infinite being created in the image of God and God Almighty is infinite living outside of space and time, it's like, duh. Okay, I can come to terms with the fact that the universe is ever expanding because God is infinite and my soul is infinite and I will live for eternity forever. Try thinking about that. You're never, your soul, who you are, the core of who you are, your character, your personhood will never extinguish. It's going to hurt your brain in five minutes. Think about that intently. You're going to be like, I have a headache. I can't do that. Because to think of infinity in that sense, eternity, wow. We serve a God who's infinite in his being. Who was not created? Hurt, think about that. That's gonna hurt your brain. What? You weren't created? But you created everything? You know, and everybody and their mama's trying to explain or explain away the existence of God. Don't do it. That's why the measure of faith. Like a child believes a parent when they say, I'm coming back, honey. Oh, I'm getting your bottle. <laughs> they have the faith to believe, mommy, daddy's giving me that bottle. Well, they're coming back. And unfortunately, right, there's circumstances where well, the parent lies and they don't come back. But the faith of a child to believe a parent, to take a parent at their word, that's the same kind of faith that we have to have with our Heavenly Father. That's why some things are not revealed to us. You've got to just have the faith that He's given you. Whatever measure of faith that you started out with, you can grow in that faith. But you have to be faithful in little, and then He'll give you more. Amen? You've probably heard it before that it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. I believe that with all my heart because the reality is we need the entirety of the Bible. The more you learn about God's grace and mercy, it's going to want you it's going to uh, it's going to encourage you and it's going to give you a desire to want to get back into the Old Testament and understand these things that were prophesied and why things were the way they were. Oh, man, it's so crazy. Even even the books that are difficult to read, you know, like Numbers, Leviticus, you know. <laughs> These ones, it's like, ah, nobody teaches on those anymore. I don't want to hear about that. I have a hard enough time trying to just say the names, let alone teach on it. But there's so much rich truth in all of that, and especially in a day and age where we're so... I talked about it last week. Yeah, we want, Especially the youngsters. Man, they want everything right now. They can't wait. They have no patience. But get in the Old Testament. Man. And you will reap the benefits of understanding a well-rounded entirety of God's Word and seeing how it points to Jesus Christ. You see, when we begin to understand how the Bible was actually written and how it was meant to be read... Things begin to start to click and we get it. And that's that revelation that's revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. You know, if you have a desire to understand the word of God, he'll reveal things to you. You know, I have a good friend where he's always talking about, "Ah, I just, I'm not smart. But it's like, bro, you have a desire that God's placed in your heart to serve him. He never fails. He always comes through. He always shows you what you need to understand. And he always gives you the opportunity to share what you know in God's word to other people. Right? And you look at Moses. Moses was a classic example. I can't talk. I can't talk. Aaron, talk for me. I don't want to go before God's... Moses was used greatly by the Lord. And the same thing can be said of you and I. You just have to have a desire to want to know God's word. And He will reveal to you exactly what it is you need to know in his word. You see again the Old Testament is necessary. There is no way that you can exclude the Old Testament from who Jesus Christ is. It is is an essential part of how we understand who Jesus Christ is. Again, there were so many prophecies that were prophesied hundreds of years before things ever came to pass and we found we find a lot of these in the Old Testament. I'm sure you're aware that there's only one main prophecy. Main, I say main, because it all comes down to this. Backfired. There's only one main prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet. And that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're all awaiting and longing for and, and hoping. Man, could you uh, could you imagine if, if we're part of that remnant that's actually caught up? in the air with them? Man, there's going to be all kind of Enoch's. You ain't going to have to die. What? Wrap your mind around that. I can't. That's crazy. You know, And whether whether or not you die physically, you die physically, it's okay. Because you know that you're going to go to be with the Lord. But wow, would that just be amazing if you just happen to be in that group of people that's going to be caught up with the Lord. Man, that's pretty cool you see jesus christ will return to claim his people and administer final judgment on this earth and that's what we're waiting for him to come back and do along with taking his believers home to be with him for eternity all right the second main point is this the truth of jesus christ will divide sheep and goats it will divide It will clearly divide. There will be a clear line of demarcation between the two, believers and non-believers. There's no middle ground. There is no middle ground. Again, Jesus will separate those who choose to be saved. Notice I say choose because it's a choice. You have to choose within your own heart who you say Jesus Christ is in your life personally. He will come to divide those who choose to receive his gift of salvation, and who, and those who choose to reject him as Savior and Lord. Again, this is prophetic. If you look at Luke chapter 12, verses 51 down through 53, I'll read it. And it says, Do you th-, and this is Jesus speaking here? Family, this is Jesus here speaking. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No. I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, In one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, Mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That might be a hard saying for some people, but the truth is this. He's revealing that in every person... Every person that's alive on the face of the earth, that's ever lived on the face of the earth, they, as an individual, have a responsibility for their own salvation. Hear me, I'm not saying that they can save themselves. I'm not saying that they can work hard enough to earn their salvation, that there's any merit for them to gain salvation through any effort of their own. But they have to humbly receive it. They have to humbly receive it. You see, some of these Jews that were in Rome, they were convinced, again, that Jesus was the Messiah and that they were going to follow Jesus, and they did, while others just regarded him as a good man. Well, Jesus is a good man. He's a great teacher. He's a prophet, but he's not the Son of God. Many religions today, you look at the Muslim religion, they regard Jesus as a good teacher, as a prophet, as a good man, but he's not God. Many religions regard Jesus in that light. But it is the Christian faith or followers of Jesus Christ that identify him not only as Lord but as Savior. The only means that you and I can be right before a holy God. Aren't you so grateful that he has given you the righteousness of Christ and withheld his wrath? You see, we don't like to talk about wrath. We don't we, we need to see God in His entire character because he is 100% love <laughs> but he has perfect righteousness. And in that perfect righteousness, there is wrath. So when he is wrathful or vengeful, it is justified for him to act in accordance to that judgment because it is a judgment that has to be administered because of the wickedness of sin that lays alive in men and women's hearts that they fail to turn away from that sin. Rather, they embrace it and they rebuke God. And in that rebuking of God Almighty, they incur judgment and wrath upon themselves. You should count yourself a miracle that you're not experiencing God's wrath right now. You see, we get it twisted when uh, conviction comes in and correction comes in. And we're like, oh, it's so hard. God, what are you doing to me? Why are you allowing these things to happen to me? It's his love. You live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. He uses difficult circumstances to teach you the truth about his word through the revealing of his truth. (laughs) But that's not his wrath. I mean, his wrath is... I need to die, and I can't die, and I'm hiding in caves. That's what we're going to learn about as we go through the book of Revelation. There's going to come a time where people are literally going to be the walking dead. I'm not talking about zombies. I'm talking about people that literally want to die, but they cannot die, and they are experiencing pain and torment that was meant for the fallen angels that will spend their eternity in hell. That's wrath. You see, we have to have a clear understanding of the God who we're dealing with in order to understand how he chooses to correct us and I guess some people will say it's tough love, whatever you want to say but it's his love, he loves you and I enough to correct us instead of letting us continue to go down a path of wickedness that will send our souls to hell going back to this whole idea of Jesus coming to divide the reality is this the Bible is clear that everyone must give an account everyone must give an account and you and I we cannot get ushered in to heaven on the coattails of someone else's faith we all have to make that personal decision for ourselves we all must give an account of who Jesus Christ is to us and not how we perceive Jesus Christ to be, but the absolute truth of who he is. We must say either, yes, you are a savior and Lord of my life, or no, you are not. And there is no in between. And so if you hear God's voice today, do not harden your hearts to him. If you are alive today today, and there are people in your sphere of influence who have not yet accepted Christ as their Savior and their Lord. There is still hope. And he will use you as a vessel to intercede for those people that his grace may come upon them. And that their stony hearts too may be broken. Because we're all in the same boat, right? We're all prodigals. We've all gone astray the bible is clear that none is righteous no not one we've all been born into this world into iniquity as cute as my daughter is sitting back there she was born in iniquity she's a sinner and she needs to come to that conscious choice of accepting christ as her savior and her lord and i know there's a whole other can of worms people say well what about people who you know died before they had a conscious ability god knows all that and the blood of Jesus Christ covers that. People talk about, oh, what about people that commit suicide? Ah, this and that. You know what? Jesus Christ's blood covers that as well. There's, th- you know, there's a particular situation for every person. I'm not going to sit up here and say that these people are in this camp and these people aren't in that camp. That's not for me to say. I'm, what I'm to do is administer the word of God, how the Lord is showing me and revealing it and how he reveals it to me and rightfully divide it. And I'm telling you today, every one of us must give an account. Unless you're in some kind of special needs group and you're on the spectrum and you can't decide for yourself what's going on. And I believe even some of those people have a clear understanding of who Jesus Christ is. But if you're consciously aware and you can watch the Suns lose a horrible game to the Bucks, My gosh, Devin Booker, why did you fall down and give up that ball and end that game on such a horrible note? We can consciously watch the NBA finals. You can consciously choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior or not. All right. The third main point is this. True lasting healing only comes when we turn back to Jesus Christ. True lasting healing. I'm talking about transformative healing where you can take someone who was a crackhead for God knows how many years, didn't have to go through no self-help groups, didn't have to go through detox and all this cold turkey done wow what it's because that person truly turned back to jesus christ all throughout the bible we are made aware of the effects of sin you see sin is so serious because sin mars and cuts us off from having a genuine relationship with our creator you see on every level sin mars us physically emotionally Mentally, spiritually, we are affected by the devastating consequences of sin. But it is only by turning back to Jesus Christ and away from our own selfishness, our own pride, the world system, the culture that we live in, turning away from that, forsaking that, and turning back to God Almighty, are we able to be truly healed. You see, there's no amount of self-help, there's no amount of psychology. There's no amount of Oxycontin or, or alcohol that you could drink or uh, intake into your bloodstream that can have a lasting result of change in your life. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is only by His redemptive work and you and I rece- receiving excuse me, that free gift are we able to be transformed and changed eternally. All right, let's get into these verses now. Excited about this. All right. Starting in verse 23 down through 24, it says, When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening, he expounded to them. See, we talk, man, we can't even last 45 minutes, let alone an hour. What? It says that the Lord used Paul. It says, from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. I'll just point that out real quick. Maybe for some of us, the Lord is saying, sit down and listen. No, you're not going to get a McDonald's message. 15 minutes and you're out of here. 20 minutes and you're out of here. You know? And I heard back in the day, old school preachers would go. Go. They would preach. People falling asleep. Paul preached before. The young man fell out of the top story. Again, he's preaching day and night, all day, all night long. Sometimes we could stand to hear a little more than we think we need to hear. Amen. But right off the bat, we see that this great number of people came to hear Paul speak. Again, it's interesting. It says great number, right? Right. In our culture, in our society, we're, we're wowed by large numbers, right? Whether it's crowds, you know, you look at the Super Bowl and crowds of people show up. Or like I said, I just talked about uh, the NBA Finals. There was a big crowd of people in Phoenix, Arizona watching the basketball game. They were all there. Uh, whether it's crowds of people, whether it's vacation time. Oh, man, I got loads of vacation vacation time. I got, I got, I got some. <laughs> I got three weeks coming up. From a, uh, August 1st to August 18th, I'll be off of work. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be cool. Uh, you know, from bonuses at work. Oh, man, I'm getting a big bonus. Oh, I worked hard. The boss is hooking me up. Lord's bless me. The amount is big. But you see, with the Apostle Paul, he learned quite well from Jesus Christ to be content. To be content in whatever he was given, be it great or be it small. Oh, That's such an important lesson for us to learn, to learn to be content in the Lord, no matter we have, whether he gives us a great or little, to be grateful for whatever he does give us. You see, I share this because it is my firm belief that Paul would have preached just as passionately about Jesus Christ, whether there was two people in front of him or there was 250 people. It didn't matter. He was locked in and he was clearly hearing from the Lord, and he was ready to share the truth no matter who was in front of him. The, mat- the numbers didn't matter. It wasn't a numbers game to him. You see, I, I, I've learned this a long time ago. Don't preach to empty seats. Don't preach to empty seats. Meaning, don't be dissatisfied or discouraged when you don't see great turnouts. Right. It's one thing if there's some besetting sin in the church or with the pastor or dude, your lifestyle, you're living totally contrary to the word of God. And that's the reason why, you know, there's nobody (laughs) there. Right. It's a whole other thing if you're being obedient to the Lord and this is just where he has you. This is just the season that you're in, you know, but we can become disgruntled. And discouraged, and this is not only for pastors, too. You know, people are fickle. <laughs> and some people will, will will church hop. And they church hop because they want to find somewhere where oh, it's live, you oh there's all kind of people, and yeah, they got it going on. And I could just kind of blend into the mix and really not be seen. Or they think I need to go somewhere big because that means it's an explosive ministry, and it's so blessed by God. You know, it's a dangerous thing because the Bible speaks about the road is broad that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life. And I'm not saying every church that's big is, is, is a den of Satan, but you must use discernment because a den of Satan can be a small church like this or it could be a grandiose church sitting on the top of a hill with all the bells and whistles. But if you're not in the word yourself and if you don't have a proper maturing, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to have the proper discernment to, to tell whether or not the man is anointed by God who's speaking to you and that there's the Holy Spirit within that body of Christ there or if it's a den of Satan. You see, the devil loves to share truth, a little bit of truth with a whole lot of lies, man. And if you're not in the Word of God on a daily basis, you're not going to be able to discern whether or not you're being taught truth or falsehood. So it's so important that we understand this. You see, our culture has it so twisted. They're looking for the exorcists. They're looking for demons that look a certain way and grotesque and all that. And I don't want to get into all that, but yes, there are aspects of that demonic forces that are grotesque and disgusting. And if you've ever done any uh, spiritual warfare and battle, and, you know, there's been people that have seen, you know, revelations of of these demons, and they're nasty, and they're gross. But what does the Word of God say? That's all stuff that we get fixated on. And that takes us away from the proper channel who we're supposed to look at. We're supposed to look at Jesus Christ. And if we look at the Word of God, what does the Word of God say about Satan? He disguises himself angel of life so he really comes in <laughs> many times with many degrees this and that living off of tax free money <laughs> off the church preaching that sin doesn't exist and there is no devil that devil is in the pulpit many times Whew, Oh, that's heavy that is a harsh truth that many people don't want to hear and unfortunately, we've, some of us have allowed the church, the true church of Jesus Christ to become a den of Satan. The Bible talks about that. So again, we must be clear and aware of what's really going on. Again, going back to the Apostle Paul, he learned to be content in whatever he was given, great or small. Next, we see that the text says he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus Christ from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening again this must have been a wonderful time for Paul to preach the gospel because he continued to talk about the kingdom of God and he gave an exhaustive study on how the Old Testament spoke of Jesus Christ again from morning till evening I'm not saying that we're you know we're gonna follow that model and we're gonna stay here that long but again you know, many times, oh, I got to go. It's like, yeah, just chill. Just chill. Sometimes it's good to sit. You know, many times you pray. that's the popcorn prayers. And those are fine. There's moments for that. But sometimes it's good to sit. It's good to listen to the Lord and let the Lord minister to you. I talked about that briefly last week. A challenge to go quietly before God in your prayer closet, in your time of, uh, with you and the Lord. And not be so quick to rattle off things, but just listen intently. Listen to God and what he's placing upon your heart. These are important things. Again, Paul speaking from the law of Moses to the prophets. This is very important. We talked about it in the introduction. The entirety of the word of God points to Jesus Christ as the Messiah. You see, there's no way to ever begin to speak of grace and mercy and goodness and holiness or salvation without having everything centered around Jesus Christ, you can't have it. You can't have holiness. You can't have salvation. You can't have righteousness. You can't experience grace or mercy without Jesus Christ. He is the antidote. He is the, He is all those things. Those are all characteristics of Him. And it is He who administers that to us as we are sick patients in need of that cure. He is the cure. All throughout the Bible, all throughout the Old and New Testament, they speak of this truth. Again, Paul testified of the kingdom of God. In speaking of the kingdom of God, Paul undoubtedly taught exactly what Jesus Christ taught. Right? Again, that in Jesus Christ, God the Father brought a spiritual kingdom that would take root in men's hearts. You see, and that's the problem. We want all this change in the world. We got black lives matter. Every life matters. We got, I I can be any sex I want, non-binary, all this and that, all these rights. But until the word of God takes root in your heart, it's going to have no effect on government or all these other branches of society. It starts with you. And so again, I say, you want to see change in the world, allow the world, the Lord, excuse me, not the world, the Lord to start doing reconstructive work within your own heart, within your own life. And you will begin to see these things branch out little by little. But a lot of people, man, they're like, we got to take to the streets in March. What's that going to prove, man? Oh, I can carry a gun. I'm just my right. Oh, sure, dude. Carry a gun. Pack heat. What's that going to prove? We're fighting a spiritual battle. I don't care how many people you shoot down. It doesn't mean anything in the bigger scheme of things. Allow God's word to work in your heart. You're going to start seeing the reality of things change. Little by little, you'll see that. You see, most Jewish people in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, they, looked, they were looking for uh, the political kingdom, the political realm to change. It was all about, man, get us from up under Caesar's control. They weren't looking for a spiritual kingdom. And the same is true today. A lot of people are not looking for a spiritual kingdom. We're just looking at what we can see. And we're supposed to not live by sight. We're not supposed to live by what we merely see. Lastly here we see that some were persuaded by the things that which were spoken and some disbelieved. Man, in response to this remarkable day-long teaching from Paul, some believed and trusted God, and others they just didn't believe. They had no belief. Even the best teaching from the best apostle, if I can say that, or a well-versed apostle And the best circumstances couldn't persuade some of these people. And so the application is this. This goes back. I talked briefly last week about the sower, right? Oh, man, the sower was just excited to chuck that seed and get that seed out. He didn't know what soil, what condition of soil the seed would fall upon. He was just content in chucking that seed and getting the seed out there, getting the word of God out there. And so for us, Our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ is to be a faithful witness to the truth of who Jesus Christ is no matter what. And in that, that's us emulating that, being that sower. And you're chucking the Word of God out there. So on your job, like I said, you're not beating someone over the head with the Word of God, but it's the way you live. And you may say a a little something. You're getting the Word out there. In your family, again, your conduct. And how you share. Maybe you pray over your meal. You start doing that. Dad, you never pray over food. What are you praying over the food for? Because the Lord's changing my heart. Those are all little things. You're sowing the seed. You're chucking that seed out there. Acts 22 verse 15 tells us, For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. That's us. We're to be a witness of Jesus Christ. To share what we've seen and heard. And yet again, we see that the reality of who Jesus Christ is divides people. You see, divides us into two categories. Those who are saved and those who are not. Those who are sheep and those who are goats. Again, last week we read that these believers on the outskirts of Rome, they encouraged Paul. And I talked about it earlier. I don't think I have to go over it again. But I will use this this example. Remember the rich young ruler. Oh, he was like... I'm ready to go, Jesus, I've done everything. I'm I'm faithful, I'm right there alongside you. And what did Jesus say? One more thing. (laughs) I know you got a lot of monetary wealth, I know you got a lot of worldly wealth, take this stuff and give it to the poor and come follow me. And what did he do? Oh, he couldn't couldn't part. He's like, oh, I can't do it. Uh, my whole identity is wrapped up in everything I've accumulated all to this date. I can't give it up for you, Lord. And he went away and wept bitterly. Oh, it was a harsh cry and anguish. His heart was in pain because he was, cho- he, he, he was he forced to pick and he couldn't choose. He chose the world over Jesus. Some people today are in that same boat. They've worked their whole lives to have this reputation, to have this degree, to have this career, to have this, this set of friends, to have this place in society. And Jesus says, I want you to forsake that and follow me. They're like, I can't do it. I've worked too hard. You're telling me to give up everything. You see, it's not, it's not just get up and go be a missionary in Africa. Maybe he's not calling you to go to South America, Africa, or China. Maybe he's telling you, you need to stop living that lifestyle. You need to give up some of these things. These aren't good for you spiritually. And yet we're like, I can't do it. That's what happened to the rich young ruler. He couldn't let go and he lost out. He chose to have the world and lost Jesus Christ. In a similar way, some of these Jews just couldn't come to terms with who Jesus Christ was as Lord and Savior of their lives. And they lost out. All right, moving on. It says in verse 25 down through 27 and uh, disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made this statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah, the prophet, go to these people and say you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive for this people's hearts have grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their e- their eyes, excuse me, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and would, and I would heal them. Okay. It wasn't just that some of these, uh, these Jews didn't believe but they ended up having a disagreement amongst themselves. I mean, it went from I just don't believe to we're kind of at it. We're having a war with words over what you say is true and what I believe is true. Um, this this suggests that those who were persuaded and those who disbelieve started to have an argument amongst themselves. It wasn't just it wasn't just some calm thing. It was passionate. There was, uh, you know, there was energy involved in, in, in the choices that they made. Uh, it says they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet. To our fathers. You see, Paul understood that Isaiah, uh, the prophecy that Isaiah was used to, uh, to minister was sharing that people had a hardness of heart. Isaiah's ministry must have been super hard. <laughs> man, that man was used to bring a, a, a prophecy of judgment. That's not an easy thing. It wasn't just goody two shoes. It was like, dude, this is a bad situation. I'm telling you how it can be right. But there's judgment to come. When you start talking about judgment, people start tuning out, man. People don't want to hear anything about judgment because, ah, don't tell me. Don't tell me that that I'm wrong. I'm right. I give. I'm not killing nobody. I'm not molesting nobody. I'm a good person. Dude, you're wicked. (laughs) People don't want to hear about judgment. You know, Paul was certainly happy that some people uh, received the gospel, right? But he was still... Undoubtedly distressed that some were disattached, and then they said, "No, I I, I don't believe." You know, he had a heart for people. We we see that the text says, "Hearing you will hear, but you'll not understand." Ooh, this is see, it's going to start getting deep right about now. Essentially, Isaiah was saying um, this passage is basically like if you reject Jesus Christ, right, you hear but you don't understand what you're, you're hearing, right? You see, but you don't really perceive what you're seeing. You, you see with your eyes, but you're still blind. You see, your, your heart is like hard. Your ears are, are really closed. Your, your eyes are really shut because in your heart, you really don't want to turn to God. You want to keep your lifestyle. An example of this is we all know Pharaoh. We all know Pharaoh, and I'm not going to get into the debate I truly believe that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. I know the text says God hardened his heart and Moses hardened his heart, but the Bible does not contradict itself. God didn't make us into robots. God gave us free will. Pharaoh hardened his heart because he had the free will choice and he heard and he heard and he heard and he said, no, and he said, okay, yes. And he said, no, and he said, no, "No, no, no. And even after his firstborn son was killed, he still said no. So I believe in the context of the Bible that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You see, over time, the more Pharaoh denied God, the harder it was for him to receive God, despite all the clear revelations that God gave I mean, when you got hailstorms coming down, when you got your sun dying, when you got the Nile blood turning the uh, the Nile River turning to blood, when you got locusts and frogs and crickets going all crazy, when you got all this death and destruction, boils and nastiness all over your whole people, not just you. Don't you think that's enough to say, "Okay, I give up. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Your will, not mine." Look at the difference between Pharaoh and Job. Woo! We're getting deep now. Job's wife said, curse God and die. That's what Satan wants us to do. Curse God and die and give up. Some of, maybe, someone, maybe someone here today, you're hearing that whisper. You're hearing that condemnation. Just curse God and give it up. Get it over with. I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. That was that satanic spirit that was influencing Pharaoh. You look at good old Job. He said, man, naked I come into this world, naked I go out, blessed be the name of the Lord. He wasn't willing to curse the Lord. He said, it's okay, Lord, let your will be done, not mine. And that's the reality for our lives. But over time, Pharaoh's heart, because he continued to harden his heart. And with us today, that that, that could happen to us as well. Hardening of the heart, man, make it very difficult. An example of this is hearing versus listening. Okay, hearing it doesn't require much. I'm standing up here, I hear all kind of cars whizzing down this block. Motorcycles backfiring, this fans going off, whatever. I'm hearing all that. It doesn't take any conscious effort. Listening, on the other hand, it requires conscious concentration from the listener. You have to hone in. You got to give some kind of effort and energy and and, and give of yourself. So, me and my wife, we celebrated eight years of marriage several weeks back. And it was great. <laughs> we went to Lake Shalah on Lake Merritt outside. Oh, it was beautiful. Had a great time. Well, we also had to have a harsh conversation, a real conversation. Not there at the, <laughs> the restaurant, but you know, later on next couple days. And you know, I've always had this issue with trying to demand my time. I need my time. I just need a little bit of time. I guess it's like being single for so long and living that lifestyle. I thought you could be married and have your time. You don't got time anymore. Join a men's group. That's your time. You know, but I've always had this issue, man, with uh, devices. Not nothing crazy, but you know, devices, phones in particular. (laughs) On my phone. Watching a football game. I'm on my phone, checking out, trying to buy a sweatshirt. I still haven't got that sweatshirt. (laughs) You know, but I'm on my phone. You know, I'm going to give you one thing that may help your marriage. It helped mine. Put down my phone. Put down my phone. I have a fast for my phone now. When my wife's around, that phone is on the charger or it's in the other room. Because... I didn't realize how destructive me being on the phone was to my family, to my relationship with my wife. You see, because I could hear. Oh, yeah, I hear you. And I tell it back. and It's like half wrong. It's like that commercial and, you know, the bad connection. <laughs> the are, oh, what kind of what kind of party is this? Oh, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a costume party. She shows up. It's, it's like, No. Because you're not listening. You're, you're just hearing, right? But when I put down my phone, man, I was so surprised at how different things are. And how nicer my wife is being to me. Because it's like, I'm not on my phone. And I'm actually engaging and listening. And when I'm playing with my kids, I, they can see their beady little eyes looking back at me. And it's not having a phone in my hand and holding tears of one and kill us on my back. But it's like I'm engaged. And that's how the Lord wants us to be with Him. He wants us to, to listen intently to the word of God, not just hear, oh, I heard it before. Yeah, the cross, Jesus. I know it already. Yeah, but dude, why is your life all jacked up? Huh? It's because you're not really listening. You're just, I'm merely hearing. I just show up and I hear. You know? Today, are you hearing the word of God or are you actually listening intently on the edge of your seat? Not to me. To whatever God is ministering to your heart. Are you really engaged? Because that's where the transformation happens. Is by being engaged with God. Remember, it's a relationship, right? What kind of relationship thrives when someone's just like, I need to get out of here. This is cutting into my time. You know, I like the Niners too. You know how many 49er games I've missed? I miss them all the time. But you got a DVR, record it, man. And they're not really good anyways. So it's like, who cares? Watch somebody else. But listen intently, right? Many hear and reject simply because they don't want to turn to God and be healed of their sins. This is the other part of it. And other people think, I don't need to be forgiven. I'm good, I'm not that bad. But you see, it's a big deal to humble yourself and learn how to receive from God. You see, that's a huge problem in our society. Many people have genuinely receiving a gift from God. It has everything to do with how we understand who is giving what to us. Again, every sin boils down to pride. We need to humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be forgiven. Amen. All right. I got to move along because it's getting a little tight on time here. All right. Acts 28 and 29. It says, therefore, let it be known to you. This salvation of God, which has been sent to the Gentiles, that they will listen. Okay, Just because some of them rejected the salvation of God didn't mean that salvation was unreal and it was powerless. It just means that God would find other people that would hear. In this case, it means the Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's us. Romans chapter 11 verse 25 says, "Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers, a partial a partial hardening has come upon Israel until The fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So it's actually for our benefit that the Jews have not received Jesus Christ because it gives us the opportunity to get saved and to minister the word of God to other people. So, you know, in in God's infinite wisdom, he understood all this was going to take place. And so we see all this transforming and unfolding before before our own very eyes. The application is this: the preaching of the gospel really is preaching two messages. To those who respond to the gospel with faith, Jesus Christ is a, a message of life. But to those who reject Jesus Christ, He He reveals their their condemnation. Second um, Corinthians chapter six verse sixteen tells us, "To one a fragrance from death to death; to the others a fragrance from life to life." Who is sufficient? For these things that's a beautiful verse oh man that speaks of you know when you understand who Christ is uh, that the life you receive and if again you choose to deny him it's from death to death you go that's not a good place for us to be you see Christ will come to every heart he will offer salvation to all as Gentiles we would be wise to take advantage of the gift of salvation because those who reject him have physical and spiritual death to look forward to where while those of us who receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord only have a physical death to look forward to or unless you're going to be uh, you know caught up in the rapture you just have a uh, spiritual life to look forward to the application is this today is the day of salvation do not harden your heart you see but for those of us that are saved, this message still applies to us today because today is the day to get right with God. Do business with Him. Allow Him to, to seek out your heart and purge out the imperfections, the things that are hindering a, relation, a right relationship with Him so you can be clean from your sin and you can be made a clean vessel for His usage. Amen. All right, last few verses, and I'll go ahead and end this message. It says in verse 30, he, he lived there two whole years at his own expense, speaking of Paul, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It says that Paul dwelt there two years. Paul spent more than two years at Caesarea waiting for his case to be resolved. Now he spent another two years waiting for his case to be heard before Caesar. Again, talk about patience. Man, he had to learn a great deal of patience during this time. And again, as we learned before, he was renting a house. He had a house that he was kept a prisoner in, but he had free reign within that house. And so uh, many scholars believe that he continued his work as a tent maker. To supply rent for this house. Even though he was a prisoner. You see the provisions that God has provided for this man. He was always a hard working man. And next we see. He received all who came to him. Now if you, you read in the book of Philemon. Onesimus. He received him. Remember it was the slave. And he had ordered him go back to Philemon. And, and be reconciled to your, your owner. And, and, and that's a picture of us returning uh, you know, to Christ. And you think of uh, you think of Timothy. Paul received Timothy. Man, what a great relationship that was. Young Timothy, young pastor, young preacher, and how uh, Timothy was so encouraged by how the Lord had used Paul and and all that. And so we see that, again, he received all who came to him. Uh, The the application for us is we should receive all who come to us for guidance, and we should share with them the truth of who Christ is and encourage them and challenge them to take upon uh, the Lord as their Savior and see how they would benefit. We also know during this time that he wrote two other letters, the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians. And these are great books. These are books that are greatly used to this day. And so his time wasn't wasted while he was in this this home. These two years, Paul was used greatly by the Lord and he had ministered his heart greatly and he was used to... Uh, and inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these other books. The reality is this God never wastes our time, though we may waste it by not sensing God's purpose for our lives at any moment. The application is this. You see, one main key to serving the Lord is to be faithful wherever God places you, wherever it is. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 tells us this One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. As the uh, worship team comes up, and I'll end with these last statements, this last thought. You see, we should be more concerned, or whenever Isaiah comes back, it's no rush. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, You know, we should be more concerned in honoring God in whatever measure of something he gives to us. You see, if our focus remains on honoring Jesus Christ, then it's not going to matter what the Lord puts before us, we want to do a good job. We want to do an honorable thing for the Lord. It doesn't matter. If you're in children's ministry and there's only two children, man, love those children like they're your own flesh and blood. You know, do unto them as you would do unto your own kin. And maybe the measure of more that the Lord is going to give you is more peace, more love, more joy, more appreciation of Him. You see... The Bible talks about prosperity, but the Bible talks about prosperity being in your home and your children. It's good to marry. It's good to have children and your family being your prosperity. You see, we've twisted that and we think prosperity is having a boat and having a Tesla and having a two-story house (laughs) and going on vacation for for three and a half weeks to go visit Disney World. Those things are okay. There's nothing wrong with them. But that's not prosperity. And that's getting wrapped up in stuff and activities. Stuff and activities are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Focus. It needs to be on what the Bible says true prosperity is. Living, enjoying Him. Last application is this. It doesn't matter who doesn't believe. You see, it doesn't matter who denies Jesus Christ. The Word of God will never return void. And, and the book of Acts shows us clearly that this is true. Because though some deny Christ, there will be others that receive him greatly with confidence and they will truly serve him all the days of our lives. May, may our lives reflect this, this necessary book. Uh, this book is just not a historical book, but it speaks of how the church is to interact day in and day out within the church and within the world as well. Right? May we never lose focus of the mission of the church is to bring honor and glory to God through how we live, how we treat one another first within the household of faith, but how we also minister and share the truth of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Amen? Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again for just this wonderful journey, Lord. Uh, It's amazing that you've kept us to be able to get from the beginning of this book to the very end and to understand the entirety of the book of Acts and what it means to us as believers in Jesus Christ. So Lord, may you now uh, just continue to go before us and just show us, Lord, what it is you would have us to do next. Lord, what, what are things that we need to give up to you to allow you to use us in a greater way? Lord, may we focus in on what is right before us and not be so focused on what the future holds, but that where you have us placed right now today is exactly where you want us. Father, may you receive all honor, glory, and love. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.